If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to start there tonight. Starting at verse 32. And this is wisdom speaking. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. You know, this was written by Solomon. And if you know anything about Solomon, you know, he, he, he was very rich. And, the, the, you know, God said, you know, what, what would you like? And, you know, Solomon could have asked for anything, but he asked for wisdom because he wanted to, to, to rule his people. He was a king as well as he possibly could. So he asked the Lord for wisdom and, and God, because like the Bible says in the book of James, that if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And so Solomon asked for wisdom and he got it. He wrote the whole book, most of the book of Proverbs, which is a book full of wisdom. And as I pointed out to you last week, that the audience of the book of Proverbs, let me read it, I have it in, in, in right here. The audience is everyone, young and old, who desires to live a happy and prosperous life. So that means that this is not just for like a certain group of people um, or, or, or a certain person that he had in mind, but this is universal for everybody who could benefit from these uh, words of wisdom. Um, and Solomon, you know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, it's kind of, I know, it's kind of random. Um, it's the story of when uh, the two women came to Solomon and they were arguing over the baby because um, they each had a baby, but one of the, the mothers uh, rolled over in her sleep and, and unfortunately killed the baby. And so now she was obviously upset. And so she was saying that this other woman's baby is her baby and they were fighting over it. And King Solomon, in his wisdom, and by the way, this, this story was, was copied on a TV show, which I'm not going to tell you which one it is. And I certainly don't recommend it, but it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, and so Solomon says, all right, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to cut the baby in half and give each of you half. And the woman who's, who's it wasn't her baby. She's like, yep, yeah, okay, because her baby was already dead, so she had no problem with, with the other woman's baby being dead. But the woman who it actually was her baby, she said, no, no, please don't harm the baby. You can give it to her. And Solomon, in his wisdom, knew who the rightful mother was because she would never have wanted to see her baby come to harm. That's, I mean, that story, <laughs> it's so, it's very rarely preached on. But I think it's such a great story because it really demonstrates the wisdom that Solomon possessed. And so in this portion of Proverbs, it's giving us an important reminder. Listen to my instruction. Be wise. Don't ignore it. You know, one thing we know about the Bible, the Bible contains the promises of God. You can read through the scripture and find different promises because God made a covenant with his people. And, and, and the result of that covenant is certain promises. And we're going to get to that uh, later in this broadcast. But the Bible is also a book of instruction. It gives you instructions on how to live. It gives you instructions on how to conduct your life and how to do it well. 
And so specifically the book of Proverbs, I mean, look what it says, verse 35, whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. I don't know about you, but you know, instructions are something that people in general aren't so good at. Who's, who's ever played, as I say, raise your hand, I can't see you. Um, you could put an emoji hand. Who's ever played the, a game called Monopoly? If you've ever played, and depending on who you play with, um, every person is going to have a different idea of how the game should be played because they've never, no, I don't think anyone's ever read the instructions to Monopoly. I'm pretty sure. And if I was the inventor of Monopoly, I would be annoyed because I, I took the time, I made this game, I wrote out all the instructions for you and you're making up your own rules and everyone every family has their own like little set of rules and so if you <laughs> I, I I challenge Gabby but anyways I actually terrible at Monopoly because I you know what happens to me I get tired of it it's too long I'm like okay I'm done <laughs> it's like I get fed up I can't I'm not really I'm not really a game person um, depends the game. It's not really my thing. And so Monopoly tends to get, um, see, like Jill said, she just said it. I like my rules. Everybody has their own rules because we're not good with instruction. We don't like being told what to do. Um, we buy something from, from Ikea. We have to put it together. We're like, oh, these instructions. We just like, I'll figure it out myself. Um, who's ever read really the instructions to their phone? It's, there's so much, I don't even know what half of the, half of it says. We're not so good with instruction, but God gave us his word and it contains instruction and, and it lets us know how we are to live. And if we want to benefit from the instruct, from the promises in the word of God, then it's key to follow the instructions. Now flip over to first Corinthians, cause I called this broadcast, the key to victory. Let's talk about victory. 1 Corinthians, we're going to start, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 15, we're going to start at verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I, that's one of my favorite scriptures. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that victory? Flip back in 1 Corinthians 15 to verse 24. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy, listen to this, the last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. There is a certain victory that comes through Christ, that he has put all dominion, authority, and power under his feet. He is now the authority. Uh, and you have to realize this, that there's one last thing that hasn't yet been, been put under his authority, that's death. Why? Because when God created the world, the Garden of Eden, it, men was supposed to live forever. But part of the consequence of sin was now there is a limit to our lifespan. Now we don't live forever. Adam and Eve were supposed to be, and, and all of their, their, their eventual offspring, 
um, we're, we're just to live forever. Um, but as a result of sin, now death entered the world. Now, now there's, there's a limit. And in fact, it was a much larger limit. And, and God even shrunk that limit eventually to 120 years. Um, and so now we know that our life will come to an end. But eventually, when Christ comes uh, back in the second coming, look, like, like it says, when the end will come and he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed the power of death. And now those of us who are in Christ Jesus will reign forever and ever and ever and never die. Now in our lives, we have this this. Uh, um, this uh, fatalistic mindset in a sense, or this, this, uh, I, I can't think of the word where it's like we have a, an understanding that this eventually will end. We have an understanding that at some point there's going to be an end date, that at some point we will breathe our last breath or be taken up in the rapture. But uh, for most of the world, there's a sense of there, there's an end. Our life will eventually come to an end. And that's why you'll tend to find people who aren't in Christ don't care too much for the consequences of their action. You know, even the Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry for, for one day we'll die. You know, that's a bad way of looking at things because they have no understanding that there is something else after this present life that we will eventually overcome the power of death and live forever in eternity, either with God in heaven or in torment in hell. That's a great scripture. I love it. It's similar to this one in the end. The end will come. We do know that. And before this broadcast is over, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come into right relationship with God because you don't want to spend your eternity suffering in hell. You want to spend it with God in heaven as it was intended, where the streets are made of gold. You know, the things that we value the most, God uses it as pavement and there's no potholes in heaven um, and hopefully no speed limits because I, uh, I always follow the, the, I mean, you know, anyways, um, we're not supposed to lie. So <laughs> Actually, okay, I got a funny story. Last night, um, I was coming home from church. So it was like, I don't know, it was like not after nine. And I'm driving home. And there's this little, on my route home, the speed limits, they go up and down. They're like 60, 70, 90, 80, 50. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And so you have to like make sure that you're paying attention to where you are because the speed limit could go from like 90 to 50 in no time. So I, I'm going home and I turn on uh, like the main street that leads to my street. And there's this little stretch that it's, it was 70 and then it's 50 for like one block. Don't ask me why. And then it goes back up to 70. And so I turned on the street and I was starting to speed up. And then there was a, a, a van that was like right in the middle of the street. I guess he stalled. I don't know what he was doing. And so I literally had to come to a complete stop so that I can go around him. So like I, I stop and I very slowly go around him because obviously, you know, we don't want to die. Um, and I hadn't had the chance yet to speed up again. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, there's a church parking lot. There's no school. There's a church. Church parking lot. And there's a police car in that church parking lot with his lights off it was dark and i i, I literally turned back 
And I looked at the van and I said, thank you. Because <laughs> I can't guarantee that I would have been going 50 had I not have to, had to slow down. And I got home and, and I told my, my husband the story. And I said, I was really thankful for, um, for that van. And he says, you know, you could also just go the speed limit and then you wouldn't have to worry. <laughs> He's very wise. It's true. Go the speed limit. It's not worth getting a ticket. It's really not. It's really not. I know God, God was looking out for me, but see, I hadn't even, I wasn't even speeding yet. So who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have, cause I, I do tend to be cautious in that place. But anyways, I don't know. Um, what in the world is I talking about? Heaven, heaven. Um, yeah, well, this was a leap. Well, if you if you if this is the first time you're listening to me, um, you just might as well now know um, I tend to go on rabbit trails. But that's what makes it fun. If we're not having fun uh, um, teaching and preaching the word, then what are we doing, right? So I, I, I want to, you know, but like I said, before this is over, I'm going to give you an opportunity because I, I want you in heaven with me, with all of us, um, having fun and, and, and praising and worshiping God. And it's going to be great. Um, so, like I said, unfortunately, the people in the world who, who don't know the Lord, they, they, thanks Mary, I appreciate it. Hey Lou, good to see you. Um, you know, they, they don't, they're not thinking about anything beyond this life. They're only thinking, well, one day we're all going to die. So what's the difference? I might as well do this. Uh, you know, there, there there's a, <laughs> you know, there, there, what difference does it make? Um, you know, but that, that's a very bad way of looking at things because the word of God lets us know there is something beyond this life. And that someday Jesus is going to take dominion over that last enemy, which is death. So what does that tell us? It tells us that everything else is already under his feet. It lets us know that that very moment when Christ died on that cross and that veil was torn in two, that he now assumed authority over the enemy and over all everything of the devil. And so we know this and can be sure. And so there is a victory that we have. We have victory over sin. We have victory over sickness. We have victory over opposition. You know, we, we have victory over all of these things that the devil will use to try and destroy us and destroy our lives. Because that's what the enemy does. The thief comes. But to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Do not fall into that trap of Christianity that our life is meant to be just one valley after the other. Well, you know, it's, life's real hard and I'm just really struggling, but someday. No, how about today? How about you make today your day? Because the Bible says that the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until the noonday. <laughs> you know, I... I, I we have to be people that understand, just like I read in the scripture, that thanks be to God who has given us the victory. We can have that victory. Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who love us. That's what you need to say about yourself. 
If you're feeling like there's a situation that, that is, is, seems like an insurmountable object, that's what a mountain is. Hey, Doris, good to see you. Glad you're here. When Jesus said, have faith in God, and you can see this mountain be removed and cast into the sea, what's a mountain? It's something that you can't just pick up and lift. I wouldn't try it. Mountains are massive, immovable objects. The, whatever, there, there might be a mountain in your life. I don't know what it could be. Uh, a situation in your health. Uh, a situation in your finances. Something in your family. A child or a loved one that, 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 that isn't coming to the Lord. or that. I mean, I know so many parents who are praying for their children. They raise them in church and, and, and they've been strained from the things of the Lord. And they're praying that they come back. Those are mountains, but you have to believe if Jesus said, have faith in God and, and this mountain that you see can be cast into the sea just by you speaking to it, then you should know that there are victories that can be had in this life, that it's not just all about heaven. That's what Christianity, a lot of Christianity will teach you. Slug your way through this life, barely get yourself across the finish line, and then you'll be in heaven and everything will be okay. But no, there is a victory that we have here. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am more than a conqueror. I am a victor. I am an overcomer. Th these things that, that, that have been placed in front of me that I could look at and make myself a victim. But rather I'm going to say, nope, the Bible tells me that I have victory. Thanks be to God. That's why you thank God. You thank him and you say, thank you, Lord, that I have the victory. You know, and a lot of, a lot of, I'm telling you, a lot of Christians don't like that. They don't like it because it puts a certain responsibility on them. Well, guess what? I have news for you. There is a responsibility on you. You know, we weren't, we weren't worthy before, but now we have been made worthy through the cleansing blood of Christ. That when we receive that, when we receive that salvation, that salvation that we couldn't earn, it's not a works-based salvation. You can't do anything to earn salvation. It was a gift paid at a high price. You know, people say that, you know, salvation is a free gift. It's free for us, but Jesus paid a high price so that we could be free, so that we could be forgiven. But once you have that, now there are instructions that are laid out clearly in the word of God that we are to obey. Turn to John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is, the, this is you know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is, is he's there to help us. The Holy Spirit is, is an amazing, he, he's a person. And you know, when Jesus left the earth, what did he leave? He left the Holy Spirit. You know, I know, um, you know, for some reason, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've never understood it. There's a lot of, of, of Christians, a lot of denominations that it's like the Holy Spirit like barely exists. 
it's like you believe in the triune God, but it's like, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given, given us a gift. But there's even that. There's a prerequisite. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. If you love me, you will obey what I command. That, that's pretty straightforward. If you love God, if you love Jesus, the natural outflow of that love will be to obey, will be to, 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 uh, um, to do the things that have been instructed to us in the word of God. You know, it's, it's, like I, it's like the example I always give. If you're married to someone, you don't want to make them mad. Although, <laughs> anyways, you don't want to make them mad. I mean, sometimes we, we do it. Have you ever, don't do this. Don't, don't, you know, you know like what the triggers are of your spouse. And so like, if you're like arguing or something, you're going to like say something or do something that you know triggers them to make them more mad. Don't do that. You know, you, we, just because you have an argument with someone, you know, don't, don't, don't use those tactics. It's not a good idea. It doesn't help anything. It just makes them more mad. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I always like to tell stories about my husband because he's, he's at work now, so he's not watching this. Um, he doesn't like when I tell stories about him, but I, I do it anyways. Um, well, <laughs> he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. As long as he's not like there in the room then he doesn't mind as long as they're good stories um i i i i forget exactly what was happening but he he did something he was um he was making something in the kitchen and he he made sure because like i hate maybe it's just me i hate when there's like crumbs on the counter i have like a big problem with crumbs on the counter i can't stand it um and so he, he makes sure to like clean the, the crumbs and he, and he doesn't do it because he cares about the crumbs. Do you want to know why he does it? He does it because he doesn't want me to get mad. That's why he does it. He would live perfectly fine, which I don't know how, but he would with crumbs all over the counter. I don't know how he could do it. Um, but so he does things. He doesn't want to make me mad. He's like, oh, Steph, crumbs in the butter. <laughs> crumbs in the butter are the worst and I love butter butter is good for you um crumbs in the butter like I look at it and I'm like it cringe anyways um I'm very particular in case you haven't noticed um and so you know he he, he doesn't want to make me mad because he loves me he's not he's not why, why would he want <laughs> a man is a man she but you're absolutely right no offense to the men who are watching um because I'm sure some men must be clean, I guess. I don't know. Um, but women tend to be a little bit more mindful of that. Um, you know, he loves me. He's not, hey, Pina, good to see you. He's not interested in, like, purposely making me mad. If he does, it's probably by accident. But Jesus is making an important point. To <laughs> Pastor Jess likes the crumbs and the butter. Okay. That's, hey, everybody, to each their own. So if you're having like a, a different kind of bread, you'll get like a little bit of the other person's bread from the day before. Delicious. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, um, to each their own. Jesus is making a good point. If you love me, you're going to obey my commands. If you love somebody, you're not, you're not going to do something that purposely is contrary to them. 
And so if we're people that claim to love God, that claim to be in covenant with him, <laughs> Pastor Jess is so hungry, she's literally, she would eat the crumbs out of the butter just, just to get some food. I, <laughs> oh man. Um, you know, we claim to love God. Not only do we obey him, but we hate the things he hates. And we love the things he loves. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, Evangelist Jonathan was doing a broadcast earlier today. And he was talking about how uh, his wife loves to hunt. And he doesn't love to hunt. He's like, he's not, he says he's, he's not a gun person, but his wife loves it. And so he, he wants to buy her more guns because he knows that she loves it. And so it's like when you, you know, when you love someone, it's like you want to do things for them. You want them to be happy. You, 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 you know, all of that. And so how much more so, and I, I like to use like examples of our spouses because, you know, and if you're not married yet and you want to be, I'm believing that you will be. Uh, maybe that's something that you're praying for uh, during this fast. But, but to me, it's, it's a good example because it's the person that we're with the most. How much more so? Thanks, Carol. I do what I can. It's like a natural, uh, it's a gifty. That's why I, I don't know how to sing. Because it, um, it just wouldn't be fair, you know, if I had all the, the giftings, you know. So the Lord, he said, all right, I'll make you like hilarious and, and great and stuff. But you won't be able to sing. That'll be the one thing. Um, and I, it's funny because I've always wanted to be a worship leader, but it's just not for me. Um, anyways, so how much more so? Like I said, we, I'll use like earthly examples, but, but it points to the crucial importance. <laughs> it points to the crucial importance of obeying the Lord. Not because it's, listen to me, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking on this point because I, it needs to be clear. You don't do it as some kind of like obligation. You do it because you love him. You do it because you want to please him. My husband creams, cre cleans the crumbs to make me happy because he doesn't want me to be mad. Because he loves me. Because he would just as, as soon not care. So you we don't do... Because if you're doing things out of some sort of, of religious obligation, it's not going to work. That's the whole reason why the law fell short all the time. Because people were keeping the law as some sort of uh, uh, just religious routine. And then they would constantly fall short of it. But if you live a life consecrated to the Lord and you love him and you and you everything that you do is about pleasing him is about making him happy then it's not going to be difficult to live in obedience because you're not you're not going to want to displease him you're not going to want to disobey him I can tell and I'm not thinking of anybody but I can tell when especially a young person who has who you know has attended church or or been a Christian out of obligation because the moment that something a little bit enticing comes across their path, they're gone because they weren't consecrated to the Lord. They were just going through a routine, the religious motions. Well, I know God says to obey him, so, so I might as well do it. And then as soon as something seemingly better comes along, they're gone. I'm going to read you something. This is, it is a shameless plug. I am not even apologizing. From my book that I wrote, if you don't have it, I encourage you to go on Amazon. I don't have any left. 
because you guys are, are amazing at, at being supportive and, and every single book that I ordered has been sold. But Amazon has them at a really good price. Um, and as you can see by the title, uh, this book, it's meant to encourage you and help you. And I want to read something from it. Something that, that in, in, in line with what we're talking about tonight. A covenant is a binding agreement between two parties. In addition, there are conditions to be met. God makes his blessings available to all, but there are conditions attached. God, um, I'm glad, Laura. Thank you. Um, God it, it wants to be in covenant with you. But just as in any contract or any covenant that's made, there are conditions to be met. And I'm going to read you a scripture. This is the key to victory. This is the key to victory. Turn to Deuteronomy. I'm uh, of my book. I was on page 130. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant to, of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. The key to victory is obedience. And not just obedience, but obedience out of love. God has made a covenant of love with you. I'm going to keep reading because this is a great scripture. Go to verse 11. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love, there it is again, with you as he swore to your forefathers. A covenant of love. There is a love that has to take place between us and God, and God's already done his part. You know, there's a lot of times where we're, we're like, okay, you know, I need God to do something. He's already done it. He sent his son to die for you. He made a covenant of love with you. That if that those of us who are, are saved through faith are now grafted in to those very promises that he made to, to, to our forefathers in Christ. It was a covenant of love. I think a lot of times we lose sight of just how much God loves us. And sometimes we forget and we don't realize because many times... Um, you know, we can think of, of maybe the harsher attributes of God. You know, God's a judge and he's, he's just and he'll punish those who are wicked. Yes, those things are all true. But God is a God of love. He made a covenant of love. And so that's why when Jesus said in John 15, he said, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Because there's an element of love there. There has to be that between you and God. Or else when things get difficult... When things get, uh, uh, like I said, when something seemingly enticing might come across your path, um, you'll, you'll be like, well, actually, uh, you know, I think this is better than God. Nothing's better than God. But you have to, to, to understand, to love Him. So what's the key to victory? The key to victory is loving God 
through obedience. Obedience and love. That's the key. Because everything is available to us. Everything we need is available to us. All, all the promises that we need is available to us. But we have to obey. Let, let me continue to read. Holiness is a major key to receiving the promises. You can believe them until you're blue in the face. But if you're living in disobedience, you won't receive anything from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. That we don't do it out of a, a, some kind of obligation as if it's some kind of just because there's a lot of religions and I'm not trying to, to bash anybody's religion, but there are religions. They don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. They have no idea. They just know that some book that somebody said to them, you have to do all these things so that you end up maybe uh, whatever higher power is out there might smile upon you and might throw you a bone and, and you'll be able to, to, to have some kind of life after death. That's it. They don't know why they're doing it. There, there's nothing really making them do it. I guess maybe a fear, but not a good kind of fear. The fear we have for the Lord is a, is a reverent fear, a respectful fear. That's why I'm very, um, you know, when it comes to the house of God specifically, I, 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 I appreciate reverence in, in how we dress and how we conduct ourselves. Not because, you know, because people are like, oh, that's legalistic. I, I, there should be a reverence for God. If you go meet the president, in theory, you're going to probably dress up really nice. Why? Because you're meeting someone in, in, in their house and in a place of authority. If you go meet the, the, the queen or king of England, you wear your best. Why? Because they're, they're, a, um, they're a person of authority. And those are just people. How much more should there be a reverence and respect when we go into the presence of God? And we don't, we just, we take it so unseriously. We look like we just came from the gym. Or it's like we're going toward the gym right after church. Anyways, I'm not going to get started onto that again. But you know, there's a reverence for God. And so we obey him out of love, out of, of a holy fear and a reverence for him. Not a religious obligation. Because it won't last. It won't last. Let me keep reading in Deuteronomy. So we're in Deuteronomy 7 and picking up at verse 13. Amen, Ro. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I'm a super like, well, actually, I'm a lot less casual than I used to be. I used to be more casual. I'm, I'm a little less casual now as I get older. But, you know, I don't wear dresses or anything because I can't play drums in a dress. It's not going to happen. I tried it. doesn't work. Um, but it's also about how you carry yourself. You don't have to have like a thousand dollar suit and tie. But, you know, it's about how are you, do you just like throw something, something that was on the floor. I'm just going to throw on my old sweater and then, you know, go to church. It, it's, it's a mindset too. It's, it's how you're looking at things because I could guarantee you, guarantee that if, if you were invited somewhere fancy or whatever, you wouldn't just throw on some old sweater that you picked up off the floor guaranteed because you're thinking, oh, okay, I have to have a little bit more respect. Anyways, let's continue. Verse 13, he will love you. 
and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and oil, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks in the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor any of your livestock without young. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. You must destroy all the peoples your, the Lord your God gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity and do not serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. There's promises of abundance. Agreed, Mary. Iron your clothes and I'm bad at ironing. I ironed my shirt yesterday. Wouldn't have known because I'm terrible at it, but at least I tried. Um, what does it say? Promises of prosperity. Promises of multiplication. Promises of, of health. These are all the things. And what, what's the prerequisite? It's very clear. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. If you pay attention to these laws, the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love. That is the key. If you're wondering, why am I not seeing victory in my life? Why am I not, why am I not overcoming? Why am I living defeated? Why am I constantly in the valley? Keep a close watch over how you live. Are you living in obedience to the Lord? Are you following this book of instruction? Like it says in Joshua 1, keep this book of instruction always on your lips and then you will have success. Then and only then. There's a prerequisite. And like I read out of my book, holiness. Keep sin out. That's a good idea, Pina. Keep sin out of your life. You know, I was watching... I'll I'll close with this because I want to pray. I was watching a documentary... Uh, I'm not going to get too far into it, uh, about a church. And, you know, in this documentary, I watched the whole thing. Uh, This was a church that I used to attend, so I do know some about it. Um, And there was some false claims in there, but there were also things that were unfortunately true. And the source of those things that were true was one thing, sin. They opened the door to sin and it led to destruction. Keep sin far from your life. Purity, holiness, consecration. And you don't, and again, if, you, if you're doing that out of some sort of obligation, it's not going to work. You do it out of love for the Lord. You do it because you want to please Him. You do it because you know that those things break the heart of God. You know, we sing that song, break my heart for what breaks yours. Then why would you do something that would break his heart? Why would you do something that he has told you? And he, he's not telling you to ruin your fun. That, that I grew up hearing that all the time. Oh, Christians can't have fun. You're doing it wrong then because I have tons of fun. I'm having fun right now. If, if you're not having fun as a Christian, then you're doing something wrong. But God doesn't, he doesn't put these instructions in place to try and make your life boring or something 
Because also, our idea of fun, then, therefore, must be based on the world. If you look at the world and think, well, they're having more fun. Oh, really? You know, I'll, I'll always remember my prom night. <laughs> Going way back. I graduated in the year 2000. I remember my prom night. And for some reason, I will never know why, my parents were cool with me going on a, a boat party after the prom. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But I went on this boat party and it was um it was in the old port and the boat basically went around for like 3 hours. So uh, 3 hours on I couldn't you can't get off because you're in the middle of the water. So I go on this boat party and I and I and I I've told you this before. I grew up extremely clean. I never drank I never did you know never been drunk I never did anything so I go on this boat party and I'm sure you could imagine what it was um and I'll tell you what all the all my classmates and stuff looked like they were having a lot of fun but it all came to an end at the end of the night where we had to cut the boat cruise short because one of my friends needed to go to the hospital because he had alcohol poisoning and he almost died and I'll never the picture of him lying on the ground with like vomit lip, like dripping from his mouth completely gone he, he, he was gonna die because of how much he drank that image of him on the ground I mean it was three o'clock in the morning we're at the old port he's there on the ground the ambulance is coming I'll never forget it's burned in my brain and I realized something that everything that the world says is fun might be fun for a season like Lynn pointed out, but it leads to death. Thank God he survived, but <laughs> there's many stories that didn't end so well. Because what looks like fun to the world is leads to your destruction. Do not get caught up in the things of sin. When God warns you about something, he's not doing it to ruin your fun. He's not doing it to ruin your life. He's not doing it to make you some kind of stick in the mud that your friends make fun of you. Good. I'm glad if they think, if those people on that boat think I'm boring, good. I don't want to be fun in their eyes. Because if that's what they think is fun, I want no part of it. When God tells you, don't get drunk, keep alcohol. Why? Did, <laughs> alcohol always leads to it. Always. In this documentary, what was the problem? They were drinking. There was a story of a, a, a girl who was abused by, by a staff member. What happened? He drank way too much at some, some uh, uh, dinner party. And it went too far. What a shock. Alcohol is at the source of everything. And then you have Christians. Well, I like my wine. Okay. I don't see why. What does it do for you? And don't tell me about the stomach thing with Timothy. We already talked about this. There's a reason that when God set apart the Nazarites and they had to take a vow that no strong drink, no alcohol would ever touch their lips. Why? Because they were set apart for the Lord. If you're wondering, why don't I have the things that the word of God has? Keep a watch over what you do. If God warned you about something, if he told you, don't do this, don't go there, you know, don't sleep with anyone you're not married to. Why did he say that stuff? It's to protect us. It's because those are the things that put you down the path of destruction. 
Why does it say, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever? Why? Because what happens every time? How many girls raised in church are out because of an unsaved boyfriend? There's no nice boys in church. Well, find one. Or else you're going to go to hell and you're going to take him with you. Look up the Nazarite vow, Pina. I don't have the scripture offhand. I know Samson in the book of Judges. You know, it's the same old. I'm tired. I am tired of the same old story. It's always the same thing. Don't allow sin to come into your life. Flee from it. Put it far from you. Keep it out of your life. Why? Because we love the Lord and we love what he loves and we hate what he hates. And what does he love more than anything? People. He loves people. It's his creation. We're his creation. He wants us all reconciled with him. He doesn't want anyone lost. Hell wasn't created for people. It was created for, the, for Satan and his demons. If people go there, it's of their own choice. God doesn't send people there. That's, that's a lie. So if you, the key, I'm going to say it again. If you're just joining in, the key to victory. Obeying, I'll say, you know, I'm going to put it this way if you're taking notes. Obeying God out of love. That's the key to victory. That's how you're going to find victory in your life. That's how you're going to see those mountains moved in your life. <laughs> Jesus said it. Have faith in God. Thanks be to God. Who leads us into victory. Before we pray a, a general prayer. I, I don't know who's watching. And I don't know who's going to listen later. Um, you know, we talked about sin tonight. I didn't really intend to get that much into it, but you know, you just got to go with it. You know, sin is, is destructive. It'll, it'll destroy you and it'll destroy the people around you. Like I said about, about that documentary about the church, what's the fallout? It affects everybody. You know, the guy's wife, his family, the church, everything, everything out the window because of one mistake. So, you know what? I'll tell you. God has so many great things for me. He said it in his word. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Like I read in Deuteronomy 7. All of those things. Health. Uh, uh, prosperity. Increase. Multiplication. Thanks. My mom pointed out the where the Nazarite vow is. Thank you, mom. You know. He has all those things for you because he loves you. You know, I some, <laughs> some people say, you know, I'm, I'm always like too like, well, I guess tonight, tonight wouldn't be one of those nights where I'm always like talking about the good things, but there's a lot of good things, you know, there's a lot of good things because God loves you. So if, if you're watching me tonight or listening later, 
And you cannot identify a time that you, you, you could honestly say, I, I, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I know I'm going to heaven. We don't know how much time we have left on this earth. And I don't mean um, that you're going to die tomorrow. You're not. But I, I mean, you know, we're in the end. We're in the end times. We can see it. We can see the signs of the times that we're getting towards the end. So if you've never made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity tonight. Because the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's why we, we say this prayer out loud, because you're making a confession with your mouth. You don't think it in your head. You speak it out of your mouth. So repeat this after me. Say, Father, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that he died and rose again for me. Now I confess of all my sin and wrongdoing. I make a decision to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Thank you, Father, that I am now saved. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.